So you get out into the wilderness, it's a beautiful day today, it's raining, and you get turned around and you get lost. And I got Levi with me today. Levi, what do you do if you get lost? What's the first thing? The first thing you do when you know that you're lost is uh, look for a high point or a hill. A high point or a hill, what's the second thing? Um, if there are no hills, then you look for a, um, you look for like a clearing, like, like a, a um, like, an open area? Yeah, an open area, like over there. Okay, but according to the National Parks uh, and Forest Rangers, last year there were 350 search and rescues, and it was simply because people got lost. I'm going to show you a method by which you can guide yourself safely in and out of a situation. Come on, Levi. Come here. You take an axe. And on the back side of the tree, you do not chop down because if you chop down, the bark will come down like this and it will grow back up within uh, really a short period of time, maybe two hours. So you chop down, or I'm sorry, you chop up and it moves the bark up like this and it will not grow back down. And you put it on the back side of the tree. Now, that will help you and you do that every 10 to 15 yards. When you do that, you've got a clear mark. By just going up and moving the bark up, you'll be able to have a focal point for coming back. And there's no need to get lost. And if you happen to get off a trail and you've got a knife or an ax or anything with you, you would be able to see that marker when you uh, return, you, you would be able to see the tree bark hanging up and you would go yes we're, we're going this way every 15 to 20 yards so Levi are you ready to go home uh, I don't know okay well today's sermon is about the compass and keeping direction in our Christian lives Levi what's the scripture for today um, it's Psalm 119 1 5 through 1 6 it's Psalm 119, verses 5 and 6. So if you have your Bibles, turn there, and let's get ready to learn about navigating through this Christian life. God bless. Actually, Levi got the scripture right. I was the one that messed up. It was not verse 5 and 6. It's 105 and 106. So uh, we made that in one take yesterday, which was kind of surprising. And it was pouring down. It didn't look like it in the video, but it was pouring rain. Uh, so anyway, we're going to be in Psalm 119 today. Psalm 119 uh, has each letter of the Hebrew alphabet in each stanza. You'll notice that as you read Psalm 119, there's eight verses, and then there's another letter, eight verses. It's uh, 22 and 8 is the way to remember it. 22 alphabet letters. And uh, uh, each, each stanza has eight verses in it. The second thing is it's the longest psalm. It's the longest psalm. Anybody know what the second longest is? That's right, it's 78, Psalm 78. But we're in the longest psalm. And what's so interesting about this is we're thinking about us being in the wilderness, thinking about this is not our home, and that the world is against us. The psalmist here is being ridiculed and persecuted for his belief in God. And this is a clear indicator of what we live in today. The world is not friendly to us. 
It does not like us, and we are going to get feedback from it. Maybe some of you kids, uh, younger adults, you get made fun of for your faith. Then you can relate to the psalmist that's writing today. Uh, he was being ridiculed for his faith. Lastly, this Psalm 119 is a series of prayers and meditation. Prayers and meditations. Um, not really sure who wrote Psalm 119. Some say David, some say some other uh, writers. But it is a series of prayers and meditations, which is important when you're being ridiculed for your faith. You have to have something to go back on. And so this is what the psalmist uh, focuses on in Psalm 119. Now, the verses that we're dealing with today specifically deal with how to navigate our way in this world, which is hostile to us, which comes against us. And so the psalmist writes, God's word directs us. On the back of your bulletin, there's a blank there. You fill it in. God's word directs us, and he goes to the feet. Now, he says here, your word is a lamp to my feet. Deval, which is the word for word. Uh, it's the Hebrew word for word. And what that means is what is said. It can refer to what is written, which at that time would have been the, the Torah, or, and also what is said. Now, for us today, we have the word of God. And sometimes God speaks to us through his word. The psalmist here is, is right at the front of this, putting the word, the emphasis upon the God's word, upon what is spoken and what is written. He is putting that as the foundation, if you will, for everything that follows. And yes, it's a short couple of verses. But notice here also, we have lamp and light. We have feet and path. They're, they're couplets that are hooked together. Your word is is a lamp. When we think about the scripture, we think about the Bible being God's word to us. It is infallible. It is inerrant. There are no errors in the word of God. So when we come to the word of God and we read the word of God, and I've told this many times, is that we are hearing the words of God. He is speaking directly to us. And as, as a matter of fact, we can trust it because it comes from God. This is what God would want to communicate to us if he were standing here, which he did through all the writers of the Bible who were written, uh, wrote under the divine inspiration of God. And so, therefore, we can trust it. Um, the Word of God, and this is in Psalm 119. All of these verses that I'm getting ready to share with you come from Psalm 119. The word of God renews us. 119, 25 to 32. Listen to this, beautiful. My soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. Have you ever read the Bible and you just needed, you just needed to hear from God? And all of a sudden, you, your eyes focus on a verse and it grabs you. That's what the psalmist here is talking about. Give me life according to your word. Not only does, the, does it renew us, but it's true and trustworthy. For I trust in your word. I just want to remind us again that this is, 
this is not a collection of writings written by people who were giving their own interpretation or impressions. These people wrote the Bible under the inspiration of God. And I want to remind us that we can trust this word. We can build our lives upon this word. It gives promises, right? Amen. It gives promises. And Psalm 119, 49 to 56, your promises give me life. For those of you that have been redeemed by the blood of Christ, guess where that's found? It's found right in here. We believe that Jesus came to this earth. He lived a sinless life. He took that sinless life. He put it on the cross to pay for our sins. And when we trust in him, our sins are forgiven. And that is a promise. God promises eternal life in Jesus Christ. God promises to protect you. Even in times when it doesn't seem like you're going to be protected by God, he always comes in and acts according to his word. But, Psalmist in uh, 119, 81 to 88, your commandments are sure. Listen to this. This is awesome. They persecute me with falsehood. How many of you have ever read the word of God and you go, ouch, 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 that hit me. You, I love what he writes here. Persecute me with falsehood. In other words, the word of God as we read it begins to confront our heart. It confronts our heart. And from this, we don't go, oh, no, I don't want to hear that. From this, we go, yes, Lord, forgive me. Help me to live like you in this world. That's what the word of God gives us now he mentions here your word is a lamp now is the hebrew word for lamp and it is a olive oil you put olive oil on this little lamp. Well, here let me just show you this is what this is what the the psalmist is writing it's just a simple little lamp and olive oil went in there and i i want you to note something here this is not a torch it's not a torch. And I love, I love what Lawrence Richards writes in his commentary. It's awesome. The flickering light cast by the olive lamp of, of the Bible times was only bright enough to show the traveler his next steps. Scripture is such a lamp. It gives us just enough light to see where the next place our feet should hit so that we can walk safely into the future. God does not show us the end. Does not do it. He does not show us. He doesn't give us four or five torches that we carry so that we can see way out there. Where would faith be? Where would faith be? The word of God gives us exactly what we need for the moment when we need it. If we're reading it, we can see just in front of us, just enough to know to trust him. Wow, what a point. What a point. He doesn't say here, and your word is like a torch and a and a. a massive flash searchlight it, it's not like that it will show us just what we need at that moment to keep going in the direction that God wants us to go in then he mentions the word here feet or footsteps and this is this is what it means you have the word of God with you and it means literally 
steps between your feet. So the psalmist here is going a direction. He is going a direction, but his eyes are focused on the Word of God, and it gives him just what he needs in his life at that moment to continue the journey. You'll notice that he's not stagnant. He's not sitting. He is moving along something. And he says here, your word is a lamp to my feet. Well, the feet obviously have to do something. They have to go in a path. And a light to my path. And a light to my path. Ornativa. Ornativa. Light that is opposed to darkness. And the first John, we remember that we read this. God is light, and in him there is no darkness. God is light. Therefore, we're talking about something that is holy, that is righteous, that is um, from God. But the path, nativa, can refer to a road, or it can refer to a lifestyle. A road or a lifestyle. I think both are correct because we're talking about light. We are talking about something that is holy, that comes from God, and we're talking about a path. So if, if the lamp, if, if God's word is, is a lamp for, and, uh, for my feet, but it is also a guide for my path, I am walking in the light of God that he has given me in the word of God so that when I follow it, I am always on the right path. I think both of those are correct. I think it can be uh, a road, and it can also refer to our lifestyle. Let me just say this. If you read the Word of God long enough, and you listen to the Word of God in your heart, it will change your life. You cannot read the Word of God without being confronted with our own sin or maybe telling us how the world is and that not changing my perception of the world and my life as I move along in the Christian walk. Years ago when I was in, and I know maybe some of you have heard this story before, but um, one of the professors when I was at Midwestern when I was at Midwestern in Kansas City, Midwestern Theological Seminary in Kansas City, the professor said, I want you to take everything off your desk. We took everything off our desk, and he said, I'm going to give you a verse, which is the verse I'm preaching today. Your word is a light, a lamp for my feet, and a light for my path. And he said, what I want you to do, and he's teaching us how to meditate on the word of God. And we, we were kind of uncomfortable because we're not used to this kind of thing. But anyway, uh, the professor said, I'm not going to teach you Eastern mysticism. He said, but I want to teach you what it means to meditate on the word of God. And so he said, I want everybody to shut your eyes. And I want you to recite that verse in your mind. Because I never forgot this. This was years ago. I have never forgotten that event. Have never been able to escape it. And he says, I want you to draw an image of that verse, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. 
And I sat there. I was kind of skeptical at the moment, but I said, okay, I'm going to do it. And I sat there, and I thought in my mind, what kind of image could I come up with that would help me uh, understand and reflect on this word? This was it. It was, it was like there, and he let us go 15 minutes, and what I saw was this. There was a cobblestone street in front of me. And every time, that my, every time that my eyes were on the word of God, I could see in front of me and I could walk clearly. But when I shut it, it got dark. I couldn't see. And so I opened it back up and you could see it. And God gave me that. I have never forgotten that. And, and the professor said, okay, after 15 minutes, the professor said, everybody open your eyes. He said, I want to hear from you. That class went not only that remaining hour, the next time we came back for class, we had to continue the discussion because there were some awesome things that were revealed just by meditating on the Word of God. Draw the image. Now, one thing he adds here too, and I, I want to focus on it. It's one little bitty word, but I want you to look at it. And a light to... My path, the personification. My path, brothers and sisters, is different than your path. My path will be totally different than the path that you are taking. This is personalization. Lord, it is my path, the path that you have given me, that I will walk, and your path will be much different than mine. But it's still the same path in which God will direct you. Isn't that awesome? That God is so, in, he saves you, he knows you, he knows you intimately, he knows the frustrations, he knows the hardships that you encounter, he has the word of God to encourage you and strengthen you, and it is really your path. And it is totally different than the person next to you or the person behind you or the person in front of you. It is totally different. We will all take our own path with God. Now, there may be always some similarities in paths, but ultimately, God has a path that he has designed for you. In fact, the word of God says, your steps are ordered by God. So when you're down a path and you don't like it, just remember, God has this path. It's a path that you will go and I will go, and they will not always intersect, and they won't always look alike, but I can tell you we serve the same God, and the Word will speak to us individually and differently no matter what the situation or circumstance that may come along. It is my path, it is your path, it is different, but we serve and worship the same God. Hallelujah. Wow. God's Word directs us. Here's the kicker. We must follow. God's word directs us. We must follow. Now you'll notice what the psalmist writes right after this. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it. Sworn an oath. Shemvivmine. Shemvivmine. And that means to make a promise to do something. However, it's not just a promise to do something that the psalmist is talking about. 
It is with sanctions to follow if the conditions are not met. <laughs> no, many of us know what this is, right? This is Mount Sinai, and we know what happened at Mount Sinai. That's when God gave the covenant to Moses. And uh, we, we think about the Ten Commandments, and we think that that's the covenant. That's not completely true. Um, it's not just the Ten Commandments. I want you to understand that this morning. And there's nothing wrong with associating uh, Mount Sinai with, with the Ten Commandments, but those are broken up into two sections. One, our relationship with God, and our other, our second is our relationship to one another, which Jesus was asked, what, are the, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And the second is likened unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. He summarized the commandments, the Ten Commandments. But that wasn't it. It is everything from Exodus chapter 19, verse 7, to Exodus chapter 24, verse 6 through 8. That is the entire Mosaic covenant. When Moses takes the people down in Exodus 19, washes them in the water, that is the beginning point of the covenant that God made with the nation of Israel. I have always maintained and believe, and I think this is accurate, that when we get to the New Testament, the same covenant process that started in the Old Testament is the same covenant process that is in place in the New Testament. What was John the Baptist doing washing people's garments in the water? He was starting a new covenant. And that's why they pushed back on him. So, and you go through Exodus. Now, the key verses is in Exodus 24, 6 through 8. I'm going somewhere with this. Just hang on. Exodus 24, here it is. And Moses took half the blood and put it in the basin, and half the blood he threw against the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do, and we will be obedient. I have made a promise to God that I will do this. It's exactly the word we're looking at here. And Moses took the blood and threw it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you is in accordance with all of these words. Exodus 19 to Exodus 24, everything that is contained within that section is the covenant that God made. And the people responded that we will obey and we will do. You know what that was? That was a sworn oath. That was a sworn oath. Have you ever made a promise to God about something? Lord, if you do this, then I will do this, right? I Every one of us at some point, Lord, if you get me out of the situation, please, I promise that I'll, don't do that. Jesus warned about making oaths. In fact, I'll give you the verses. You can go back and look it up this afternoon. In Matthew 5, 33 to 37, Jesus swear, says, swear neither by heaven or by earth. The reason that he says that is God already owns it. You don't need to make an oath. God already owns it. You're in a relationship with him. Don't do it. But in the Old Testament, they needed to do this. But So I'm telling you as, as, as your pastor when he says, I have sworn an oath and confirmed it, the most important thing is the word confirmed. 
And that word means kuvav mem. Kuvav mem, that, that last part there, means this. To stand. I will make a stand on the word of God. I think what the church needs to be reminded of this morning is that this is what we stand on as we live our lives. Would you, would you agree with that? Yes. Yeah. So if we have the word of God and we stand on it, we will not be moved no matter what comes on the path, no matter how, how the path wants to branch out. We're going to stay because you know what? God's word gives me just what I need for the day, just what I need for the day, and he'll provide direction. And you know what? I don't care what, is the, what the world throws at me. I don't care what Satan tries to bring against me. I don't care what happens over here. What I'm most concerned about is the path of righteousness that God wants me to travel. That is the most important. And, 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 and I would say that is the most important for the Christian life, is if we're not following God, then we're not living according to the way he wants us to live, and we need to get back on the path. And that means sometimes being confronted with our own sin and, and God confronting us and we go those ouch moments and we go, okay, Lord, I know it's ouching because I'm over here over in the wilderness and I forgot to watch Pastor Mike's sermon about finding my way back, but I'm just going to repent and I'm going to come back to the path and I'm going to keep walking that way. And that's what we need to be focused on this morning is that we stand in our own lives on the word of God. And by the way, making promises to God, why are we asking God to get us out of a situation or a circumstance? That may be your path. You may have a path of suffering. Ask Jesus. In fact, that's how we become more like Christ is when our path becomes difficult and we're forced to rely on God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. We are forced to rely. And you know what? That makes our faith stronger. That makes our faith stronger. So make a commitment today in your own heart that just says, I'm going to stand on the word of God. Make it the focal point of your life, not a footnote of your life. And then he goes on not only to stand, but to guard. Not only to stand, but to guard. To keep your righteous rules. Oh boy, that sounds legalistic. <laughs> no. Whenever God writes something, it's always for our benefit. It, it's, it's not like God wants to zap your joy from you. In fact, Christians are supposed to be the happiest people in the world because we've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. We're saved. We're on our way to heaven. We want everybody to go to heaven, right? That's the, that, we don't want anybody to go to hell, to spend eternity separated from God. But he says, you know, you, you, get, you get some here and you go, well, to keep your righteous rules. Boy, does that sound legalistic. Like, I got to do this and I got to do that. Uh, that's that's the, wrong, that's the letter of the law, not the spirit of the law. The spirit of the law is, I want to live like this. 
because I love him and he has been so good to me. Now this word to keep, shamal, means to guard or to guard one's self against something. It means to guard or guards, guard oneself against something. Against what? Obstacles or stuff that may be in the path. That's what it is. By the way, Psalm 119 covers this for all you young men out there. How can a young man keep his way? By guarding it according to the word. Young men, young women... You want to know how to live for God? It's right here. It's right here. And you guard. I feel so, I feel so bad for our young people today. Do you know the kind of garbage that they're facing in this world? Do you know what they walk into when they walk into the school systems these days? It is hard. I feel horrible for them but I want to encourage you young ones that are here today get in the word of God stay in the word of God and follow the word of God no matter what your friends or so-called friends are telling you to do and be uncool go ahead but you're cool with God because God sees you but we can keep our way pure by following the word of God that's what this is about it doesn't mean you're you and I are not going to make mistakes trust me my wife will tell you I'm imperfect. So. <laughs> but I'll, I'll tell you this. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to stumble. You're going to fall. You're going to sin. I'm telling you as your pastor, and I'm not giving you the okay to go ahead and sin. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you're human. You're going to make mistakes. You're going you're gonna to mess up. But I can tell you this. If you will ask God to forgive you, which he always stands ready, he will take you, forgive your sins, put you back on the path, and you keep going. And the way that you do that, boy, I wish I was saved when I went to basic training. It would have been a different ball game. But I wasn't, and I can't go back and relive in the past. We read the Bible. He will examine our hearts, and we make an adjustment to it. Yeah. You could just say, how can a person keep his way pure, if you want to put it that way? By guarding it according to your word. Your righteous rules. Sudik mispop. I've almost said that correctly. <laughs> it's a tough one. The word righteousness there refers to perfect, what is right. The word rules is to decide or to judge something. Now think about that for a minute. I will keep your perfect way that is right according to your judgments. That's what he's agreeing to. So when, think of it this way, maybe, maybe changes your, your perception of righteous rules like it's, like it's really hard. But listen to this. If you read something that is in the word of God, and well, let's just put it this way. You're out in the world. Something comes against you, and you go, hmm, I'm not sure that's really right. So I'm going to, oh, yeah, God's word points it out. God's already made a judgment on that. He's already ruled on that case, if, if you will. He's already said that's wrong. Oh, yeah, okay, then I'm going to guard it, and I'm not going to go there. 
You see how that works? The righteous rules is the perfect way of God, which he has already declared righteous. And therefore, anything that is not in that righteous reign of of God and what he has said, I'm not going to do because God's already decided. Well, can't I play with it a little bit or or maybe do this or that? No, 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 no. We're going to do it because God has already said this is wrong and that is right. And we're just going and you go back to the stand. You have to stand on it and then be reminded that that the word is is a lamp to my feet, a light under my path, and I'm just going to stand and keep going forward. And whatever comes against me, I am going to guard and stand on the word of God so that I do not get off the path. Finally, number one, trust God's word to lead you. Trust God's word to lead you. I'll tell you this with all confidence in the world. God's word will never lead you in the wrong direction. Never will. God's word is always right, it is true, it is just, it is holy, and I can trust it. Trust God and his word to lead you. Secondly, follow the word daily. It's, it's this afternoon after church is over and you've had lunch with your family or friends or whatever, and you go to the store, do the right thing. Follow God's word. Somebody needs help, you help them. Go out of your way. Because God would want you to do that. Follow the word at Walmart. Follow the word at the gas station. Follow the word at your work. It's okay. That's what we're supposed to do. That's part of our path. Uh, just uh, God has been opening me up to a lot of different little things lately. Uh, ways that I've missed stuff that now I'm catching because I noticed that this is a, a more personalized path and, I'm, and I'm, I'm watching specifically for things to come in my path and then I respond to it. Lastly, and I think this is the most, one of the most important, is to stand and guard. Just make a decision today that I'm going to go back to the Word of God and I'm going to ask it to direct my life to help me become more like God and Christ who redeemed me at a great